Hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to be. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. You know, folks, as we get closer and closer to Election Day 2020, which is still, what, 16 months away? November of 2020? It reminds me of the beginning of a dark and dank poem written, well, like 50, 60 years ago, there is enough treachery, hatred, violence, absurdity in the average human being to supply any given army on any given day. Just wanted to share that lighthearted note with you. And before we keep getting into the Joey Clark Radio Hour alongside me this evening, it's well, he's looking, uh, he's looking good today. You're showing off the <laughs> tattoos on his arms with the holes. And does that shirt have uh, sunglasses and a mustache? Yeah, sunglasses, mustache, old tequila shirt. How are you doing today, Sasquatch? I'm tired, man. This, the heat's got me. Yeah, I'm tired, I'm, too. It's I'm, just uh, been dripping all I day. I stayed up way too late last night. Did you? Yeah. Ooh, lucky man. I earned it. <laughs> I hate you. Yeah, but I'm not going to talk about that much more. Uh, but before we get really into things, got to follow up on the Chris Pratt white supremacist T-shirt story, Not which sure. really shouldn't have been a story. It was the Gadsden flag. I don't know. The snake coiled up and it says, don't tread on me. Oh, okay. Yeah, but we'll get into that and all sorts of other things going on about trigger warnings and the future of the nation, blah, 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 blah. But first, I want to tell folks, the show is brought to you by Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. He's a top-notch realtor here in the River Region. Uh, he's changed his own life by investing in real estate, and he's helping change other people's lives by helping them buy and sell homes here in the River Region. And he has so many listings these days. Before I go into one of them, which is a great place out at the waters, 11 Pier Street, if you are interested and you have the time tonight to meet Eddie Bader in person, in person. He'll be over at Baumhauer's Victory Grill this evening, hanging out with Greg and the whole Moon Pie crew. And he's a great guy. It's wonderful getting to know him. And so give him a call, 322-0662, if you're interested in buying or selling a home. For instance, if you're trying to buy a home and it's your first time, your first time home buyer, he can help walk you through things like, well, how do you make an offer initially on a good home? Uh, how do you pay closing costs? How do I deal with the inspections, whether it's like termite inspections or other safety inspections? Who do I need as a closing attorney? All these little details that if you're a first-time home buyer, you may not know. Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group is going to go the extra mile and help you walk, walk you through that process so it goes smoothly and swimmingly. But there's this one listing he just picked up. And, you know, my folks almost moved out to the waters. Um, great location, great little development. And this is 11 Pier Street, about 200 grand or so, two-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath. And there's just so many things to offer. State-of-the-art kitchen with great appliances, granite countertops, big dining area, 
hardwood floors upstairs, two spacious bedrooms. I could go on and on, but this is just one of the listings Eddie Bader for the Goodson Group has to offer. If you're looking to buy a place like at the Waters, maybe that's beyond your price range. Eddie can find you options that fit your price range, whether more or less. And if you're looking to sell your place here in this market, Eddie Bader can help you out. So go meet him at Baumhauer's or just give him a call. 322-0662. That is the number for Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. What's that number again, Seth? 322-0662. And we really appreciate Eddie sponsoring the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I, I certainly do. Now, I'll follow up on this Chris Pratt white supremacist shirt. It really shouldn't have been a story in the first place. The problem here is that he was wearing a Gadsden flag shirt. It was an American, if you can call it a problem. It was an American flag. Look, you know, it's new, but it looked worn. Like, uh-huh. your shirt's yeah. actually worn out. Actually, <laughs> real holes. You didn't buy it like that, right? Yeah, I mean, five years of this. Right. Okay, no, but this is just kind of worn out on purpose. But it had an American flag superimposed on it, the coiled snake, and it mm-hmm. said underneath, don't tread on me. Mm-hmm. Classic American symbol hearkening back to the Revolutionary War. Yeah, okay, if I got my things right, I think that used to be the flag. No, it, it was just, it was a flag, it was a flag and yeah. it wasn't the American flag, oh, okay. it wasn't anything like that, but it was a flag, a symbol, the snake saying, don't tread on me, mm-hmm. was essentially, a, well, it's a very clear symbol, don't yeah. you think? Yeah. Don't step on snakes, we'll bite you. <laughs> so don't tread on us, we'll bite you. And we're a little poisonous. Anyway, Chris Pratt was photographed wearing this Gadsden flag shirt. It's a well-known symbol, for, especially for libertarians. I have a shirt. It says Liberty on top, and it has the coiled snake. It says Don't Tread on Me. It's very um, plain. It's, a, it's just an obvious American symbol. Again, dates back to the American Revolution. But in recent years, the Tea Party's picked up the symbol. Gun rights folks have picked up the symbol. It all started with Yahoo News, Yahoo Entertainment News. And the story says Chris Pratt criticized for wearing a white supremacist T-shirt. Now, while the author of this Yahoo piece, what a brilliant piece it was, managed to identify the correct Chris Pratt, and it wasn't an imposter or anything, virtually every other word of the headline is, in fact, misleading. Now, I just ran with this story yesterday because you're always looking for stupid crap, and sometimes things people say are so absurd that you're like, well, okay, I'm going to run with that, because who the hell knows? Maybe fake news, but it could easily be true in today's weird, weird, and wild world. Here's the thing. The Gadsden flag is not just... It's hardly a white supremacist symbol. Really, it's just ridiculous to say that it is. But here's the problem. And this story showcases a larger problem with so-called journalists today. There was no massive public backlash for Chris Pratt wearing this T-shirt. The article cites, as evidence, a couple of tweets. But aside from the initial tweeter, Hunter Harris, a writer for Vulture, tweeter, none of them come from verified or prominent accounts. We're not talking about hundreds or even dozens of tweets. We're talking about just a few tweets. There were many, many more tweets, as evidenced by the replies to this vulture writer, in defense of Chris Pratt, or taking issue with the attempt to drag him into the muck and the mud over wearing what is a common American symbol. What really should have been the headline was nothing really happened to Chris Pratt, except a lot of people thought this attempt was 
attempted dunk was dumb. And it was dumb. But we need a name for this sort of noxious trend in clickbait journalism where journalists, so-called journalists, write up these stories based on nothing more than a few tweets from a few nincompoops and asshats. Uh, this writer here, Robbie Suave, what a great last Suave. name. It really is his last name. It's a great name. Met him uh, last summer. Really? Yeah, at that conference I cool. went to. Great, good guy. Um, he proposes the black aerial effect. Um, but this is, I think, a terrible trend. Now, this story segues into another story that's out today on Town Hall, which Matt Drudge linked on the Drudge Report, because the story is about Matt Drudge. And if you're going to have a website that gets billions of views a year, I mean, you have to share your own press, right? And this writer in Town Hall is suggesting that Matt Drudge's vision for the future of media and journalism has come true. What do we mean by this? Well, in a word or two, it means no gatekeepers. No gatekeepers whatsoever. Now, what spurred this author at Town Hall to write this? What do you mean, gatekeepers? Editors. People that make sure you're not lying. The news director. The No, just all sorts of people that oversee the journalist and the writers and talk host and these sorts of things. Is that why you... everything? I mean... Half the crap you read is just like a crazy headline. Right. There's, well, here, let me read this story. Okay. It starts with this. And it comes back to Montgomery, folks. Don't, aren't we so proud that we have the SPLC here in Montgomery, the Southern Poverty Law Center? Now, I've met lawyers for the, from the SPLC before, being out on the town, and I think they are doing good work, say, with the prison population. Certain things do need to be checked on. Sometimes lawsuits need to be filed. But in general, I find the SBLC to be an overwrought partisan hit machine. I don't really have any ill will to anybody working over there. I just find, well, here's an example. Quote, bringing these groups together is beyond irresponsible. It is essentially conducting a hate summit. At the White House. This is what the Southern Poverty Law Center proclaimed Monday morning regarding President Donald J. Trump's social media summit last Thursday. Now, the summit didn't go great. There was, like, yelling at journalists, and there was... It's just like, just shut up, Sebastian Gorka. I know you're a smart man, but why are you just, like... Why are you about to get in a fist fight with a nerd from CNN? Really? (laughs) Really? Anyway, you would think, based on that line from the SBLC, like Trump had invited David Duke... To the Rose Garden. But no. It was actually Trump invited journalists, bloggers, and, you know, humorous people, comedians, all these sort of folks that make memes and whatnot, invited them to the White House for the social media summit. And this writer for Town Hall says this is Matt Drudge's vision of the world. It is the vision Matt Drudge started in the 90s. And what does he mean by that vision? Well, in 1998, Matt Drudge gave a speech before the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., in which he mapped out this vision of the future. He dreamed of a national press, free of editors, and beholden not to corporate masters, 
but driven by the ever-industrial and entrepreneurial spirit of the American citizen reporter. (laughs) Sounds so lovely, doesn't it, folks? Back then, after taking the lead on the explosive Monica Lewinsky scandal, Drudge told the press club that, quote, clearly there is a hunger for unedited information absent corporate considerations. But despite that hunger, the beast of the Internet was misunderstood by those who consider themselves quote-unquote experts. But Drudge, operating out of his Hollywood bedroom, knew that the world had entered an era vibrating with the din of small voices. Every citizen can be a reporter, can take on the powers that be. As Drudge explained that night in 1998... With each technological advance that causes disruption, what separated the Internet apart from even a medium like this, talk radio, was that it was more than, well, it was really a two-way communication. Like, people can call up, but we can still control the conversation. Somebody says something I don't like, I'd be like, shut up, ding-dong, get off the phone! But with the internet, you're pretty much uncensored. And I know, yes, some of the social media companies are trying to control that now, but that's a whole other conversation. This is what Drudge said in 1998. We'll continue. The net. It's the last time. <laughs> you know it's from 1998. <laughs> that movie is horrible. No, but you know it's from 1998 when somebody's referring to the internet. Either as the net or are, are you on the World Wide Web? Mm-hmm. The net gives as much voice to a 13-year-old computer geek like me as to a CEO or Speaker of the House. We all become equal, Drudge said. And you know, you would be amazed what the ordinary guy knows, he added, for good measure. But here's the thing. Trump did invite all these folks over to the White House. And despite some of the disturbances between the mainstream press and people like Sebastian Gorka. Like, really, come on, Dr. Gorka. When you're going to have that label, doctor, I don't want to see a photo of you on Drudge yelling at people. And this is the thing, is that, yes, there is a benefit to no longer being beholden to the corporate press. I think there's benefit. Citizen journalists getting the truth out. But let's not kid ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves. There are a lot of citizens, whether they're journalists or not, who are just dopes. There are enough American citizens full of enough treachery, hatred, violence, absurdity, well, to supply any given army on any given day. Whether it's an army working for some cultural cause or an army working for some partisan cause, Take your pick. And you may even agree with them. But we should be a bit wary. Because even though the corporate interests have been removed, not completely, of course, they're still driving all sorts of conversation. But though they've been removed to a large degree and you're now seeing these average voices speak up more and more, it doesn't mean we're out of the woods. It might just be the beginning of something new and yeah, horrible. Different. Yeah, we got rid of the devil we know. The new one's coming back. Yeah, get ready for this new devil. It sounds like you get it opens a door for more liars. Yeah, and more stories. And then more truth people, you know. I mean Well, but and not even necessarily like technically liars. The reason and when editors work well, like why would you need an editor? Why would you need a 
a program director at a radio station, which we don't really have. I don't have to talk to somebody after I get off air. No, Julie, this is what you said. Here's an air check. The benefit of that when it's done well is that it does check people. It's like, are you sure? It gives another voice in the conversation. Are you sure you want to print that? What's the importance of this? What is going to be the effect of reporting this? Is it factually true? Is it important? And I think with the less you have editors and you have good institutions with good traditions of reporting supposedly good news, compelling news, interesting news, and you now just have your average Joe, the 13-year-old computer geek, like Matt Drudge said in 1998, reporting the news... Yeah, some of those computer geeks, some of those journalists who are just, you know, your everyday citizens will report good stuff. They'll blog about good things. But they'll also create stories based on, you know, four or five tweets and what this guy at the bar said last night. Uh-huh. So I, I just wonder if this vision of no gatekeepers is, in fact, a great thing. I don't know if it is. And I worry that as the journalism culture and institutions in this country become more and more little de-democratic, I don't mean like Democratic Party, I mean like it becomes democratized. Like the every person is now equal and they have pretty much equal access to get their voice out there. I worry that it will become more bold into politics, not less. What I would like when it comes to journalism, and I'm happy to do this to myself, <laughs> I wish more journalists would do this. Now, I've proposed this before, but it's good to remind people. I wish more journalists would become political eunuchs. That they took a very serious vow that I'm not going to donate to campaigns, I'm not going to vote in certain... Elections, I might vote locally, but I am going to be a watcher on the wall and I'm going to do my damnedest to be somewhat independent of all the different forces that might influence how I report things so that I could have an independent voice on how I report things. Will it be perfect? No. Everybody has their bias. And maybe there's something to the idea of if you're biased... Just say what your bias is and tell people up front. But I think if everybody stepped back and stopped seeing themselves, and this is what I worry, is a lot of those people Donald Trump invited to the White House weren't just, you know, like town halls claiming here, these great citizen journalists. They're also activists. And even if you agree with their activism... Do you really want all your news to come from an activist who has an axe to grind and who has an agenda? Again, even if it's an agenda you agree with. Because it's very possible, and I've seen it time and time again, I've seen it in my own life, that when you surround yourself in an echo chamber and you're only getting your information from people who share your goal, and I don't mean some ideal, I mean like a practical political goal. Are you actually going to get the truth? Probably not. You know, I hear people claiming all day, fake news, this, fake news, that. I want to be uh, enlightened with the facts. No, you don't. How many of us actually want the facts? 
I doubt it. I, I think most of us actually want to hear what makes us feel good. You can't handle the truth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, see, can you find that the truth is really pure and never simple? And that you really weren't looking for the truth at all. You're just looking to confirm what you already thought. Nothing's pretty on the inside. It's like Bill Burr used to go on, especially he was on a roll in 2016. And they're like, why aren't you more engaged in politics? He's like, yeah, because all you idiots go to imright.com <laughs> and you find something that somewhat makes you feel like you're correct, but no. And when I look at all sorts of issues, and this is really where I'm at, I'm so freaking frustrated with the news cycle and I sound like a broken record yes and it's I need to be more than frustrated I am taking notes thank you very much ladies and gentlemen and all those in between but I would like us to seriously tackle very complicated issues in this country I would like us to tackle immigration but when I look at immigration And I think of immigrants coming here illegally, coming here legally. It's a messed up system. It's a crap system. It has been that way for decades. And when human beings are looking for a better life and they take advantage of a crap system, you're going to punish them? No, you should punish the crap system and throw it out. When I look at the symbols upheld in immigration, like Donald Trump is right now doing a rally in Greenville, North Carolina. And rallies very similar to, like, the one happening tonight. He would bring up the murder of Kate Steinle. That story is true. There are immigrants who came into this country illegally, illegal aliens, who committed crimes against American citizens. That story is true, and it should not happen. What I couldn't, what baffles me is people commit violent crimes in this country, and we deport them instead of throw them in jail. But then you also hear stories of people legitimately seeking asylum. You see pictures of people so desperate that they drown with their little girl in their arms in the Rio Grande. Those stories are also true. What have I been saying for the last few months? That politics is not about finding the facts for enlightened policies. Usually that's not it. No, it's a symbolic fight for power. And so we use symbols from the right and the left in order to win the contest, the popularity contest that we call elections. But I would rather we take the approach that all these things are true. A lot of these symbols are true. And there are ways, maybe it's the idealist in me that is yet to die. Though it is slowly dying, <laughs> aren't we all? That we can come together and figure out, on immigration or any other issue, ways to address the criminals that are hurting people, harming people, really exploiting and taking advantage of people, and help the people who are actually in need. It might require more money. It might require more or, dare I say, less political control and government control. See, folks, when I see the mess of our immigration system, I don't just think of it as, oh, the Republicans wanted cheap labor and the Democrats wanted voters. No. I see it as, it's so shocking that essentially planned migration system that was going to manage the movement of millions of people over decades would fail. 
I assume my disposition is that the government's bad at things. That if they ran the Sahara Desert, they'd run out of sand pretty quickly. This government is the same one that seized a brothel in Nevada. And they went bankrupt. They couldn't sell booze and hookers to truckers in the desert. So if they can't run a brothel, how are they supposed to run, again, a centrally planned migration system that manages the movement of millions of people? Including people, I mean, I just try to look at it at a human level. You get a visa, you're allowed to be here for a year, six months. Your visa runs out. You know you're not going to be able to get it renewed, but you've been in America for six months. America's awesome, despite what some people, mostly on the left, but some people on the right, oh, how crappy this place is. No, America's awesome. So, of course, you're going to try to stay. That's the situation we're in. There are solutions to this, folks. There are clear solutions to this. There are solutions that have been staring us right in the face for decades. And yet we argue over the symbols. Because it's election time and there's enough treachery, hatred, violence, absurdity in the average human being to supply any given army on any given day. So we need to wake up. It's not just the corporate interests, whether they're running the media or running our government, that are the problem. They are a problem. But if we really want to solve the problem, we need to understand, well, this tried and true truism. The tyrant in you is the tyrant in me. And a journalist, citizen journalist, is just as prone to be corrupt and an activist with an axe to grind as some major corporation. Just the corporation has more money to grind their axe. We keep shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. And it's so often the case that the populist of today become the establishment of tomorrow. And unless we fundamentally get back to our traditions of limited government and we continue to argue over this massive Leviathan power in Washington, D.C., things aren't going to get better. They might get better in fits and starts. We might have a few steps forward. The economy's humming like crazy. It's wonderful. But is it sustainable? Somebody asked me last night my honest assessment of the country. Or in particular asked me why I don't like people like AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, even though I think she is a Puerto Rican sex kitten. Um, My honest assessment of the country is this, folks. We're overextended. We're overextended globally, abroad, with our obligations economically, our obligations militarily. We're overextended financially here at home. With the debt continuing to rise, that was one of Donald Trump's favorite things to bring up before he was even running for president and while he was running for president. It was a favorite thing for Barack Obama to bring up when he was running against the legacy of George W. Bush. The debt keeps going up. Well, it keeps going up, folks. We're overextended. And in the midst of being overextended in so many different ways... All we seem to be really good at is bitching and moaning over who gets the power. It's a sinking ship, though. It's a great country. But what we have done to this great country, there will be a day of reckoning, no matter who's in office. And we'll need to wake up and be prepared. And it will take citizen journalists. It will take 
yes, a few idiots on Twitter. It will take the corporate interest. It will take everybody to figure this out. Or we will fall apart. It sounds like the, uh, a huge game of musical chairs. Do you yeah. remember when you were a little yeah, kid? Yeah, Everybody, you'd have the chairs, and we'd all go in a circle, and then you'd take one chair away, and the music would stop, and everybody would try to sit down at once, but you were just really... There was one person that didn't have a seat that just wasn't going to give it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it exactly. makes me think of. Exactly. And so these elections that we hold, 16 months from now or whatever it is, in November 2020... They're important, don't get me wrong. At the end of the day, they are a popularity contest where we argue over symbols rather than, you know, true enlightened policies and facts. But they are important. They do affect the lives of not only the hundreds of millions here in this country, but billions of people across the world. Because at the end of the day, we are, take your pick for the term. I like to use empire, but uh, the global hegemon, the sole superpower, the global leader, blah, 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 blah. Let's just say the United States affects the whole globe. And these are important issues, don't get me wrong. But uh, it just seems like pettiness keeps capturing our imagination. Because it's easier to be petty. And I don't lay this at the feet of the president. I don't lay this at the feet of the Democrats. I lay it at the feet of everybody. Because I try to be an equal opportunity offender, I suppose. Now, of course, I look at the left. If I continue my answer I gave to this person last night, why don't you like somebody like AOC in the left? It's because I think they're incredibly, in their idealism and their good intentions, incredibly dangerous. What I hear from the left these days is the world is full of inequities and inequality. And legacies of bigotry and exploitation. And here's the thing, folks. To a degree, that's somewhat true. And it's one thing to point those things out and go, how can we practically solve these problems where they do exist? But here's the other thing. A lot of the perceived inequities and inequalities aren't true. Or the ones that do exist don't exist because of bigotry or exploitation, but just because, well... Life is unequal. Even if you give everybody the same starting position, there will be different outcomes. And those, well, those who find success are able to find more success. It grows exponentially. Once you find, you meet that one opportunity, you have all these other opportunities. And those who don't meet that first opportunity usually don't get new ones. That's how life works. And so the reason I find the left dangerous, especially this new freshman class, the so-called squad headed up by (laughs) Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, number one, they call themselves the squad. And people, serious adults in the media, are with a straight face calling them the squad. (laughs) It should be squat. Yeah, I know. Good (laughs) Lord, folks. The reason I find them dangerous is that they look at this world that is imperfect, full of inequality and equities. And yes, there is real bigotry and exploitation. There's also legitimate reasons for inequality. They look at this and they say, well, the way we solve it is by giving us more power. Excuse me? Just give us more power and we'll solve the problem. Number one, no, you won't. 
Number two, you're not even living up to your own creed. Because if I give the central government more power, that's a massive inequity. Massive form of inequality. And at the end of the day, I can't get down with the left, but in many ways I can't get down with some of the white people on the right talk because we are not the government. Yes, it is a country of, by, and for the people, but the literal, actual people with their own lives, their own interests, their own families and local communities and their own structures. And that's what we have to get back to. You know, you shared a photo the other day. Um, either it was this morning or um, yesterday. You said it was your favorite photo of you and the little one with oh, Rose. Oh, man, that is such a good picture. How old was she in that picture? Like a couple one, days. Just a couple days? Uh, yeah, a couple days. Not old at all. And for folks who don't know what we're talking about, it was a photo of Seth asleep on the couch. and we Just his, got back from the hospital. I had his, my arm over my head. I was passed out, and my kid was right under right my arm. Right in the nook of his arm. That's not to be too romantic how we solve our issues, folks. It's not by saying we are the government and overstating how important things in politics are. We need to get away from being such a political society, hell-bent on more and more stuff and money on the one hand and more and more political power on the other. We need to get back to family formation. We need to get back to taking care of the people right within our circle locally. We need to get back to actually talking to people rather than these weird avatars of people that we talk to online. People need help, man. They really need that. They do. That's how we get back and find our footing, in my humble opinion. I didn't expect to be so serious tonight, but... You know, I see this rally going on for Trump, and he's continuing his feud with the squad. (laughs) Though I'm not like, you know, he can do no wrong. I just hope if he does get reelected, he makes a turn for the best. Because he does have the capability of doing it. I hope he makes a baby face turn. And really starts doing great things for this country. That defy the expectations of people who voted against him and people who voted for him. That's what I hope for. Is some sort of surprise. No matter who's elected. Something that actually works us towards a better future. But we've got to hit this break. I've talked and blabbered for too long. We'll be right back. Joey Clark. Joey Clark. Welcome back. Now, Seth and I off air were talking about, to change gears here a little bit, um, this old aging photo app crap. They jumped on it. Everybody has. People we know have been all over it. Yeah. It's just a trend that's it. Then you see the articles. It's like, now the Russians own your photos. They own your face. Which I think is a little overdone, but maybe. Have you done this yet? Nope. 
I haven't either. Did you, did you swap with a woman? No, I didn't do no, that me either. either. I would, of course, be very good looking. Oh, if I was going to transition, I'd be a good looking We woman. would be some good looking ladies. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Like, especially these days. I, Until we open our mouths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, can I dance with the How old... you do? Can I dance with the old dates? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, it's so crazy how these trends get going. And they're just so fast. They're on right. top of it. Was it around yesterday? Um, yeah, I saw a few people do it. A lot of folks I know have been putting up old pictures of themselves. And then the memes are coming out, too, where people are doing it to celebrities. And it's just such a a bizarre technology. It's surreal. I see why people are jumping on it, because it's kind of cool. I just I already know what I'm going to look like when I'm older. Yeah, me too. I'm going to look like this. Very good looking. Um, I got the Keanu Reeves jeans. Right. I'm going I'm to be that, like, bachelor that people are like... Is he is he gay? No, <laughs> they're I'm already like so. that. <laughs> right, well, yeah, they're already there. Yeah, me too, man. Don't feel bad. Uh, but the new technology is the aspect that you could put a photo of yourself into some program and it quickly spits out what look like very realistic, really um, yeah, photos of an age version of yourself. It's remarkable. And it reminds me of this trend that we've been covering, well, because it's just not exclusive to this show, but something to talk about is this swift pace of technology. How it is, well, changing the world, I think, in ways that we don't even understand or comprehend at this moment. There is the issue of the deep fakes. Oh, yeah, that's going to get terrible. And there will be all sorts of weird ethical issues with that. But did you see what Elon Musk put out last night, announced last night. Uh, Yeah, I saw where it was going to go in your head. Yeah. Elon Musk, no, he didn't come out with a new flamethrower. There there is a company selling uh, drones with flamethrowers hooked to them. That sounds really, really useful. Well, there actually are power companies, different, uh, like, companies using these drone flamethrowers to reach hard-to-reach places. And then, you know, getting rid of debris and whatnot. TP my tree. It's coming down quick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> as well as your tree. But, you know. But now, Elon Musk announced late last night, Tuesday night, that the final goal of his company, Neuralink, his brain-machine interface startup, is to allow humans to, quote, achieve a symbiosis with artificial intelligence. And that by merging with AI, humans will be able to keep up with AI. No, that's not freaky at all, is it? That's a good way to put it. And it's at first, I was kind of iffy, but mm-hmm. then he said keep up with it. And that means that we're not going to have any Skynet going on. But Musk plans, well, we'll see. Y- yeah. Who the hell knows? What's, I don't think Elon Musk even knows where it's going. He has his... His musings, he thinks he might know where it's going. <laughs> and I trust him more than myself on this issue, fair enough. But Ooh, who knows? does he actually, do, do any of us really know? Mm. No, we don't. Stick it on your head, it takes you over, and next thing you know. But Musk plans with his company, Neuralink, to begin human trials on an early version of the product intended to treat brain injuries next year. Now, this is the part that I find really cool. Leave the, Let's leave aside the whole, like, weird symbiosis talk with artificial intelligence, all right? 
But uh, he says, ultimately, we can do a full brain-machine interface. This is going to sound pretty weird. Yeah, no crap, Elon. Ultimately, we can achieve a symbiosis with artificial intelligence. This is not a mandatory thing. This is something you can choose to have if you want. This is going to be really important at a civilization-level scale, even in a benign AI scenario, as opposed to... A malignant AI scenario. <laughs> we will be left behind with a high bandwidth brain machine interface. We can go along for the ride and have the option of merging with AI. This reminds me of something. It's so freaking weird. I think it's because I watched The Matrix. Ooh. But no, when I was cleaning up for preparing for this move this weekend, I found these old journals that I wrote when I was in third, fourth, fifth grade. And one of the journal entries is. The question asked by the teacher was, how will we learn in the future? And my answer was, well, we won't have to do any stupid crap like homework. I didn't say stupid crap. We won't have to do homework or anything. we'll just hook ourselves up to a machine so you need to, you'll know what you need to know. Hey. Yeah. I'm a visionary. You got ESPN. I'm a visionary, baby. <laughs> now, what I want to know is, like, how can I interpret a cat's mood? It's the most baffling thing in the world. Like a cat, uh -huh. like their tail is flicking about. Yeah. It either means they love what you're doing or they're about to strike. Yeah. What the hell is that? <laughs> I'd like to know how to interpret the flicking tail anyway. But I, I like this idea. Musk is known for his lofty promises. Um, has, I mean, SpaceX has been a success largely at this point. I'll go point. to space, but I'm not going to do that. But I like their more short to medium term goals, Neuralink. They want to be able to create a chip that can be implanted into the brain, not to be, you know, symbiosis with AI or Google's database or whatever. No, it's to treat brain injuries and diseases, things like paralysis, Alzheimer's, and dementia. And, you know, as I get older and, say, grandparents I know or just people I know are, are succumbing to these diseases... Anything that can help in that regard, I... Um, Anything is better than nothing. It's one of our worst problems as a, as a human race, is forgetting. Like, how much knowledge is there that we lose when people get things like dementia and Alzheimer's? Or when, we just when at the end passes. of the day, when somebody, yeah, when somebody dies. It's terrible, man. It's, I, mean, I mean, and how much is lost in the sense that people who are still here forget? Yeah. And even if they're not, you know, I forget all the time. And I'm not, I don't have Alzheimer's or dementia or anything like that. I don't have amnesia. But you just forget information. Like, I don't remember those things I wrote in third grade. That's why the finding those journals was so cool yeah. in many ways. And then it does sort of jog the memory. You're like, oh, yeah. I kind of remember the, these things. So if there's a technology that can help us remember, help us preserve memories, help us preserve knowledge going into the future, it is a, that would be a massive advance. A massive advance. And it could also help us sift through this thing we now know as the Internet. In a way, the Internet is a tool, but it's also more than that. It's becoming like its own thing. Like, a, like it's a space alien or something. Lawnmower man. <laughs> it's unreal. But Musk is talking about he wants to get FDA approval for the implants. Unless we have some sort of brain-machine interface that can solve brain ailments of all kinds, whether it's a accident or congenital, any kind of disorder or a spinal disorder, we can solve that with a chip, says Musk. 
This is something most people don't understand yet. All of this will occur quite slowly. It's not like Neuralink will suddenly have neural lace and start taking over people's brains. It will take a long time and people will see it coming. And again, this is all in the early stages, folks, but it will happen faster than you think. It will happen a lot faster than you think. And I just find it, at the end of the day, utterly fascinating. Scary in a way, but also very exciting. Who knows where this is going to go? Because think about it. He says faster than you think 30 years ago. Where's the internet? Right. It was nowhere. I mean, I got and lucky. 30 years is our lifetime thus far for you and I. It's like, that. yeah, man. I mean, I remember growing up when there was nothing and then it just slowly progressed and now it's just everywhere. And that is going to, maybe that'll be the next step. Now, beyond technical details, the team for Neuralink did provide some concrete information on what it's up to, including some details on what the first device it intends to implant in people's brains look like and how it functions. In essence, the device consists of a large number of, quote-unquote, threads. These are incredibly thin wires with a handful of electrodes on the end of them, which are inserted into the brain in places where they will be able to pick up the electrical signals from individual neurons in the brain, a system on a chip that receives and interprets all the data from the threads, and a pod worn behind the ear that then relays the data via Bluetooth to a phone or other device or another device running the actual software that uses the neural data these chips are receiving from your own neurons. In its current form, each chip carries 1,024 electrodes worth of threads, which is already good for around 10 times more data acquisition than is possible with current medical devices, such as those used to treat Parkinson's. Due to the small size of the chip, just four millimeters by five millimeters the team believes it may be able to implant up to 10 of these chips in a single brain but it plans to start with just four chips in their initial human trials oh this is nuts okay bluetooth is the most unsecure thing on the planet what happens when your head accidentally bluetooths to your phone instead of your (laughs) ear you know (laughs) i mean and all it just takes uh one guy with the same kind of idea to be like hey what do i have to do to get that signal to come to me and then I can be in your head. Well, Musk says that the first human clinical trials, what they'll be trying to do, these trials will start at the end of 2020. Neuralink will be attempting to use its device to allow quadriplegics to control a computer. Oh, awesome. This will involve inserting the aforementioned threads or chips into the primary motor cortex, which, as the name implies, controls the body's motor functions. Oh. According to the Neuralink team, this will allow the paralyzed patient to think about moving their hand to move a mouse, even though they can't physically do so, and have the interface device interpret that brain activity to move the mouse accordingly. That is awesome. So it would literally, and they're, they will, I'm pretty sure this sort of thing will work. There will be like a one-to-one correlation where you, instead of actually grabbing a physical mouse, you'll just think about that mouse on the screen and move it. And it'd probably be just like you were actually doing it. Well, and I think as this technology is developed, we'll move to interfaces that are more like a mouse moving on the screen. We'll move to things that are a bit more intuitive. Um, it is, uh, it, it's just what a remarkable time to be alive. A motorized I, limb or something like that, you think about it moving and it will. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so it beats cyborgs, man. Well, and folks, I meant everything I said regarding the political scene. I think we're too obsessed in our pettiness and our partisan games because, well, there's a lot at stake. There's a lot of power at stake. And there are a lot of different factions that I genuinely fear, even though I can kind of understand where they're coming from. 
But when you see things like this on the horizon, I guess my big test at this point for anybody who's going to be president or anybody that's going to pretend to represent me in the halls of Congress, blah, 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 is just don't mess it up too bad. Care about humanity. Right. Let's just generally allow people to be free to experiment with these things. Let's not start any major wars. Let's not continue to back ourselves into what I think could be economic catastrophe with our loose monetary policy and massive debts. Let's just get back on the straight and narrow, get our house in order, so we can allow people like Elon Musk and other brilliant names that we don't even know to keep creating the future. I want to go to the moon before I die. You do? Yeah. When you want to float, man, something. I mean, space tourism space. apparently is starting this year. Now you and I don't have the bank. No, I'm not going to do that. Twenty years from now, maybe a little bit more. Maybe you know. Would you want to go to Mars? I man, I'd go anywhere. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, at a certain point, it's like, yeah, what the hell? Yeah, man, why not? Yeah, well, but you got that little one to care for. Oh, yeah. I'm a perfect candidate for something like She's that. She's got mom. It's like, <laughs> yeah, especially as I get older and I don't have any deep roots anymore. It's like, well, you're either perfect. For being an assassin, but I don't, <laughs> I don't have that killer instinct yeah, or, that, or that quick motor function. Shifty no, eyes. Man. I don't have that quick. No, I'm not a murderer. <laughs> assassin, murderer, two different things. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I guess if I'm a double O, yeah. I, I have that license to kill. Um, but no, it's uh, it's an amazing time, and let's just not lose the sense of the future. By focusing so much on the here and now pettiness of our our power, Hungry Games. It's a shame. But we'll see. And at least, I have to say this for Donald Trump, uh, he's entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> he's very, very entertaining. Just watching him talk is hilarious. Well, Seth, I appreciate you listening to me uh, blather and blabber. Oh, well, thanks for having evening. me, man. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, too. Yeah. I'll be back tomorrow night, folks. <laughs> Joey Clark.